Welcome to the On The Yard Podcast, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and I'm here to connect you with the trends, news, and events happening across historically black and minority-serving colleges and universities. Tune in each week where we will give you a dose of HBCU leadership and culture, one episode at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to the On The Yard podcast, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. I am Ashley Northington, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We are so glad that you decided to listen with us today. We have a very special guest on our, on this episode who's going to share some insight about the importance of community partnerships and the role they play in enhancing and supporting the HBCU experience. We are officially on the yard with Professor Isaac Adai, a professor of business management at my alma mater, the illustrious and esteemed Tennessee State University. Welcome, Professor Adai. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Really excited to talk about HBCUs and the way the world is embracing our colleges yes, today. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, Isaac, you have a very um, unique background that I want our listeners to learn more um, about. You were an engineer before. Uh, so tell me, what is it that led you um, to the path uh, of higher education? So this is an interesting story. One, my parents are educators. They are both in the academic space at universities, college professors, essentially. But growing up, uh, they told us something specific. My parents are from Ghana. I'm a first generation American. So West African parents basically dictate your career. They told me that you had to be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. Those are your career choices. <laughs> and so up until the eighth grade, I was set on being a doctor, but my father was teaching robotics at University of Arkansas Palm Bluff. And I was in his classes every summer in the robotics lab. And that's where the technology interest really kind of took off. And I decided in the eighth grade, you know what? I want to pursue mechanical engineering. So I, that was my first pivot away from what my dad ultimately wanted me to be, which was a, a physician. And I got on that path. I went to Tennessee State University, ultimately selected electrical engineering as my degree major, completed that, completed a master's in systems engineering. And I started my career at IBM as an engineer. So that's essentially how I got on that path. Just a strong interest in science, technology, and exposure to robotics through my father's classroom. So what led you to sort of leave your career as an engineer to become a professor? Sure. Great question. While I was an engineering student at Tennessee State, I understood that I was very interested in, one, interacting with people, but two, teaching, right? I was always a teaching assistant for a professor or leading all of our study sessions in engineering schools, in engineering school. And my classmates would always tell me to go to the board to explain the problem in the study mm -hmm. session. 
you know, I just did it because I knew how to work the problems and I knew how to help other people understand it. When I got to IBM and I was working in the corporate environment and I was thriving, I saw how much opportunity I had there, but I also saw how it wasn't really connected to what I was passionate about. I worked on some great projects as an engineer, but the corporate world did not necessarily align with my personality. I'm more of a researcher, thinker. The business world doesn't really make room for that. It's more of get this done, get that done. So I'm asking questions that there's no room for. My inquisitive mind was making it very difficult for me to stay in that environment. So ultimately, I knew that the academic path would be for me and I had been exposed to it through my parents. And so, you know, I said at some point, I'm going to go back to the academic world I never knew that it would have been through business, but I'm thankful for me venturing out to do it. And so about five or so years into my engineering career, I decided I need to find what my academic path is going to be. At that point, I knew I didn't want to study engineering at the doctorate level, but I had always been interested in business and entrepreneurship. And so that was a path that that I embarked on. Yeah, that makes sense. It was since both of your parents are educators it makes sense that you too would find yourself in this space ultimately Mm -hmm. um so we are experiencing a moment right now we're both tennessee state university graduates uh go big blue um and right now uh we see that there are more corporations than ever who are lining up to partner with historically black colleges and universities IBM, your former employer, uh, has a, a yep. new partnership with several um, HBCUs. Apple has a new partnership. Right. FedEx just announced something um, with, for Tennessee State University and some other HBCUs in, in Tennessee and Mississippi. Mm-hmm. The NBA and NFL have been shouting out you know, their best players. Why do you think people in corporations right now are so eager to partner with HBCUs. What is it about this moment that says, hey, we should invest our resources and time here? Yeah. First, let me say that this moment is long overdue and I'm here for it. Absolutely. (laughs) Me too. I'm I'm all about what's happening right now. But I, I do think that this was born out of 2020 and the fight for racial equity that reached a fever pitch with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and other things, I I think the pandemic caused everybody to be in a space where they were sitting still. And then when those uh, events happened and they were able to see it and digest it in a way that they wouldn't have been before because everybody would have been moving around. Right. And they were able to sit with these things, sit with what happened to Breonna, sit with what happened to Ahmed, sit with what happened to George Floyd. And I think a lot of people that, you know, our our white counterparts says, you know what, we got to do something. I think that's where a lot of this came from. I also think that from a business perspective, many organizations said we got to get aligned with this movement because the black dollar and black spending power is that important to our bottom line. And we don't want to be subjected to this cancel culture. How I think it evolved toward the black college is 
as all these organizations are looking across the landscape and they're seeing where can they plug in to support the racial equity movement, they realize that we've had these institutions that have been here doing this work for over a hundred years and they have gone largely underfunded and under, you know, utilized and, and, and not having had received the recognition they deserve. And I think it was a very natural way for the business world to plug in because it meets a lot of things that we're trying to address, right? Diversity in terms of all of these uh, career, you know, lanes, tech, health, whatever, getting HBCU students is an opportunity to push forward on that. Investing in black colleges helps invest in local communities. So I think that the HBCU became the catch-all for all of the type of work that is is needed on racial equity, if that makes no, it sense. it makes perfect sense. Um, and so while we're experiencing this moment right now, you know, all good things, mm-hmm. even things as overdue and as welcomed as what we're experiencing now, they have to come to an end. So how is it that you right. think that HBCU leaders, um, those who advocate for HBCUs, how can we activate these types of partnerships when the light isn't shining as brightly on them as they are currently? Such a great question. And you know what? I'll answer this as if I if I were a black college president today, how would I approach this? I'm I'm not a black college president. Obviously, I, I'm work under the leadership of Dr. Glover at Tennessee State. But if I were running the HBCU, I think that I would engage with these corporate partners and other organizations from this angle. One, you all recognize the value in what we do and the fact that our institutions need support. Let's think of some type of systemic changes that we can make through your investment, right? Not just a one-time $20 million contribution, but what type of symbiotic and mutually beneficial partnerships can we develop today that are going to last for another generation? Because this 20 million, this 40 million that you're giving us today is going to help, but we need sustained investment and sustained partnership. That would be the first thought for me, honestly, mm-hmm. Ashley, is that, you know, I'm, I would say to anybody who's cutting a big check, I'm thankful for this check, but bigger than this investment of money, I want your commitment to have some type of partnership and alignment with this institution for the next two or three decades. And what does that look like? Absolutely. So um, many times HBCUs, they do get the one and done sort of um, Mm -hmm. opportunities and they aren't necessarily the recipients of large scale funding opportunities that often originate from multi-year research grants or big ticket athletic programs, at least not now. Um, How have you seen from your experience at TSU, um, community and business partnerships step up to fill those gaps where other institutions have it, but HBCUs aren't necessarily getting that same sort of support. How have those partnerships been leveraged to fill those gaps? You know, I'm going to be honest here. I think that this is an area that HBCUs across the entire ecosystem could, could do better. I think that our local communities, we have partnerships at some level, and I'm not just speaking about Tennessee State, I'm talking about the 100 plus HBCUs. We're all integrated in some 
economic landscape, right? Whether it's a, a big urban center or a small rural town. And we have linkages in those in those markets because our alumni are in those markets. But I don't know that we have the depth of the relationships that we really should have. And I think that that's a huge opportunity for significant investment, significant partnership development. I mean, when I think about Nashville alone, Nashville has four black colleges, right? Tennessee State, Fisk, Meharry Medical College, American Baptist College. And we are one of the fastest growing markets in the United States. There has not been significant investment from the business community in the four black colleges here in Nashville. And this can be said for all of the markets that HBCUs exist. So I think that we can do better. I think we have to have more of a business and enterprising mindset as an academic institution across the board. HBCUs need like, you know, a, a, a you know how the government has like these government affairs representatives and their job is to go do that type yeah. of work or corporate entities have an external affairs person. HBCUs need to create a position and it needs to be called vice president for external affairs. And that person's job should be to go out into the community and forge relationships with the businesses that are most near to them and use it as a wedge to break into the larger business community. Tennessee State has been able to do some of that. We've got investment from Amazon. We've got investment from other businesses in our local market. But some of these businesses in our local market are making bigger contributions to HBCUs that are not here, if that makes sense. Why aren't there bigger contributions being reserved for the market, for the HBCUs in their immediate market? And that's something that still is a bit confusing to me. I think it's on our end as HBCUs to say, you know, we need to put a person in that role and their job is to go out and forge those relationships and make sure that we're being accounted for as businesses try to prioritize their spending. So you think the reason... I hope that makes sense. That makes sense. perfect sense. And so in your thinking, the reason that this hasn't happened is because there isn't a position created specifically to do so? Or do you think there are other factors also at play that prohibit these sort of symbiotic relationships from developing? I think that's one, the fact that we don't typically have people whose specific job is to go and do that. I think two the way in which we conduct business in our HBCU culture, it can sometimes hinder opportunity, right? I think most HBCUs are operating in a space where they don't have as much funding as they should. And with inadequate funding means that we have to prioritize what we can focus on in that most immediate moment. But the type of thing that you and I are talking about, Ashley, and having you know, both of us having been in the business world, we know that this type of work comes from a very strategic right. place and a very uh, focused uh, mindset around long term thinking. But if a black college is just really trying to get by semester over to the next semester, no one is thinking in this long term sense. So we miss those opportunities to develop those relationships that may lead to those kinds of investments because sales cycles and investment cycles in business don't typically happen overnight. You've got to be a part of these conversations for a year or two in order to get that big investment. And we're seeing colleges like Morehouse and Spelman reap the benefits of it, but this is work they've likely been doing over the past two or right. three years. 
No, it makes perfect sense. sense. And so I think what I hear you saying is that some of the reasons is, you know, one reason is like, listen, we can't get this done because we don't have necessarily anybody there that has the, you know, the full-time job allotment to do that. And then the other reason is that because many HBCUs are just trying to live for the day, get through the next semester, survive this year, um, they don't have, the, they're operating in crisis. They don't have the opportunity. Right. Perfect, perfect description. Um, to um, think about what's going to happen for the future because they can only live for today to manage the crisis that many, many um, HBCU campuses face. You know, it's really strange yes. because we're both TSU graduates. Um, you know, I think about a couple of things in, in Nashville. One, I saw Tennessee State University, um, you know, before I joined R.W. Jones, I ran a public relations shop. Uh, in Nashville, and, and one of the mm-hmm. ways that the School of Business that you um, teach in um, wanted to build those sort of partnerships was to have uh, local businesses offer internships um, to students. Um, and so I offered internships mm-hmm. to many TSU College of Business students, and I know several other corporations and small businesses did as well. What partnerships um, are you seeing happening at your own institution? And and what is it that is going on at TSU or even other institutions that you think is promising? You know, I think the student engagement is an area that we have historically done well. I think we can always do better, but because HBCUs tend to be focused on teaching more so than research, and student placement being one of our main priorities, I think we've done well there. We don't have a shortage of companies coming to try and grab black talent. You know, I think across the board, we can probably improve our processes around what that looks like. But I think for the most part, we've done a good job. I think that where we can probably extend our efforts in terms of the HBCU ecosystem with me being a tech person is around innovation and entrepreneurship. And this is something that you can probably put on my tombstone, but I think that black colleges are a fertile ground for innovation and entrepreneurship and investment around that. And I don't know that as an ecosystem, that's something that we've really been able to own and and thrive at. I think it's happening and I think it's coming, but we're not there yet. HBCU students are talented. Many of my students want to either be entrepreneurs or are very entrepreneurial. They have great ideas, right? We know that the black community is largely underfunded as it relates to startups and and, and business uh, venture capital and things of that nature. I think all of these black colleges are breeding grounds for businesses that can grow and scale and that can get venture capital funding, but we don't have structures on campuses to organize students in a way where their innovations are given a space to grow and thrive and then seek that investment. And that's something I personally want to see improve across the landscape is having what Apple and Southern company just did in Atlanta with the Propel Center. They put $50 million on the table to try to solve this innovation and entrepreneurship thing. But we got a hundred plus HBCUs. We've got all these entrepreneurial minded students We've got to think about what opportunities exist there. I think that's something that we can improve on. We've done well with placement. I think that we've done well with 
getting our business partners into the classroom at Tennessee State, for example, in the business school, we have different boards associated with the College of Business. We've got corporate partners on those boards. All of that stuff has been great. Getting our students exposure to industry, I think we've done all of that well. But I think we've got to think bigger than that because while it's great that we're getting students jobs, I would like to see us create more opportunities and not have to be as reliant on businesses to hire our students, but maybe our students can create some of their own opportunities through entrepreneurship. Yeah. So if you could wave a, a magic wand, what type of <laughs> partnership opportunity would you like to see at TSU or, a, a, or another institution um, that might be successful? Sure. I would love to see a community-based innovation and entrepreneurship center that brings one or multiple black colleges in whatever particular market that we exist in, brings them to the table and engages in the incubation of existing businesses, the acceleration of existing businesses, the training around getting startup businesses off the ground. I would love to see something like that because everywhere that black colleges exist, and, and as I mentioned to you earlier, Ashley, I've lived in different markets with black colleges. My father and my mother have taught there. Everybody in my family has at least one degree from a black college. What I've noticed is that everywhere that there's a black college, there's a black ecosystem that kind of feeds off of yep. it. That black college has significant economic impact, right? So why not let that black college kind of be somewhat of a connecting point for spurring entrepreneurship and business growth in that local market? So I, I, if I could wave a magic wand, Everywhere that there's an HBCU, there will be a community-based innovation and entrepreneurship hub that the college is linked to that feeds into the community and helps grow and scale more Black businesses. I love that. I Point love blank. That you I would that. I would say that you for know, every market. Even in a place like uh, even in a place like TSU, where there's so much uh, mm -hmm. uh, talent. Uh, and in a city like Nashville, where many of our top elected officials uh, have graduated from, from, from the institution, our public defender, uh, Markeisha Johnson, is a TSU graduate. The, the tax assessor is a yep. TSU graduate. The trustee is um, a, a TSU graduate. <laughs> the juvenile uh, clerk of court is a, a TSU graduate. I mean, there are so many yep. people. Uh, who have uh, significant power, um, who are graduates of these types of institutions. Of course, um, now we have uh, mm -hmm. the vice president who is a graduate of Howard University. Yep. Um, Stacey Abrams is, is a graduate of Spelman. And so when I could, we could keep going on for forever and ever uh, to talk about the level of power and influence that HBCU graduates have had. Now, we know that that power exists. We know that those relationships exist. Why haven't HBCUs mm -hmm. been able to tap into that, to, to connect to that power, connect to those relationships, to build the entrepreneur and innovation uh, center that you're talking about? Ashley, you make a great point. You know, we have HBCU graduates at all of the important roles across all layers of society. And because we've accomplished that, you would think that there would be more happening on Black college campuses. I think some of the challenge is how difficult it is as an alum to advocate for a black college. 
But then I also think that the fact that maybe the black college is not always able to work in the way that the business world works to take advantage of those opportunities might present a challenge. As a black college graduate, everywhere that I've worked in the business world, I've said, we need to look at these schools. And sometimes I've been heard and sometimes I haven't been heard. There are times where I've been heard and the outreach has been made, but then something happens and it get the ball gets fumbled or something that the interface isn't necessarily an efficient interface for that organization. So I think sometimes we're not advocating the right way in our positions of power. And then sometimes I think our institutions are not ready to accept those blessings. Let's just be honest. Um, you know, I've seen people try to really create bridges between black colleges and certain organizations. And then what ends up happening often is that there is a culture that is misaligned with the business world. Folks in corporate are used to work in a certain way. They're going to only send two emails. And if they can't get a response, that might be the end of that relationship. They may have just been emailing the wrong person, but they didn't know that. All they know is this person's job title says this, I'm going to reach out. They don't necessarily know that maybe that person is under in a position that's underfunded and is understaffed and they're managing a hundred interfaces with different organizations. And so there might be a delay in the response. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's a systemic challenge that I think that's, that's a big part of it. Honestly, a big part of it. I've seen that happen in a lot of cases at a lot of different institutions where we are just operating in such a crisis mode that to take our hand off the wheel, to tend to what is a seed that could be planted that could produce fruit in five years. We just don't have the bandwidth yeah. to do that. Yeah. And we missed the opportunity. Gosh. Well, hopefully um, it's my hope that with all of this attention um, happening right now, that there will be many more organizations mm -hmm. that have an opportunity to move out of operating in crisis and can get some of the footing yeah. required to move to thrive and get some of the footing required to establish the um, community partnerships, the corporate partnerships that will be not only a success for students, but also to the institutions themselves. Correct. Correct. I, that is my hope, Ashley. I believe that we'll get there. I do think that this energy that we're seeing around black colleges is somewhat sustainable. I don't know that we'll continue to hear the big dollar announcements over time, but I think that the spotlight that has been shown will create enough energy that even when the spotlight goes away, people understand the value that black colleges bring. People understand the necessity to support our institutions and that the institutions will take advantage of that opportunity and find ways to extend those right. partnerships. Right. So here's my um, last question. Um, what is mm -hmm. one thing about HBCUs that you wish more people knew? Wow. Great question. Okay. I, having grown up, I've, 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 I went to daycare on a black college campus. I've been on a black college campus the majority of my life. I think what I would like people to know is that black colleges are often the only space where people of color can feel free, can be themselves and feel supported. 
that is why black colleges mean so much to the community because they are such a bubble that is like no other. And when you leave that bubble, you go into a world that is very challenging at times. Being black can be heavy at times. That's why black people celebrate HBCU so much because it presents to them an opportunity where they can be their pure selves. And that doesn't exist typically outside of the black college. Once you move into the business world, I wish more people knew that. I wish more people could understand that students at black colleges are coming from families that have had generational challenges, but that they are just as smart and talented and gifted as students at some of the best institutions on the planet for that matter. And if just given the right type of support and opportunity, our students yep. can thrive. I wish more people knew oh, those gosh. two things. That makes me want to cry because uh, I, I, I think <laughs> about my own story, you know, growing up in Nashville, mm -hmm. it wasn't um, popular um, in my family right. to want to attend TSU because there was certain perceptions uh, about it. <clears throat> sure. And um, I eventually chose to go to another uh, campus. Um, and I took mm -hmm. a class at TSU because I was determined I was going to graduate in four years. So I wanted to take classes over the summer. So after my freshman year, I went and took an art class on TSU's campus. And for the first time in my educational career, I was able to breathe. And what it meant to me, wow. it just opened up a whole new world because that was the first time that I saw just as many black students who were just like me, who had, you know, trained to be a, a, a musician, who, who loved mm -hmm. reading the classics. I mean, there, there were so many different yep. types of black people. And so you, and you learn to get a sense of self from that experience that sort of like armors you yes. to go out into the world that doesn't always love you. Um, it's, correct. It's correct. Just, correct. It, it's our yeah, safe it's place. Everything. That's why homecoming is such a big deal because we get to go back and relive that experience over a weekend. Over a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for anybody listening to this, if you're not familiar with black colleges, and I'm a first generation American, my family is from Ghana, so you know I'm a, I'm a the first in my family to have this black experience. I think that HBCUs besides the black church are probably the most important institution in the black community. And we have to cherish them, nurture them, invest in them because they are of significant influence to the black community and to society as a whole. I mean, again, our vice president of the United States is a black college graduate and we can go on from there. The impact is undeniable, often invisible, but undeniable. Often invisible, yet undeniable. Absolutely right. Well, thank you, Professor Adai, for taking the time to speak. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you guys for <laughs> tuning in to this episode of On the Yacht. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of On the Yard, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. R.W. Jones is the nation's only strategic communications and issues management firm explicitly focused on higher education, serving more than 50 colleges and universities nationwide. Check back for next week's episode of On the Yard, where we'll give you another dose of HBCU leadership and culture.